0: Welcome to the StockFam Investor Education Podcast. Whether you're a seasoned investor or one of the millions of people entering the market for the first time, StockFam provides the fundamentals to help you grow your wealth. This is a podcast for investors. We give quality companies the chance to tell their stories while providing you with the tools to invest wisely. If you want to get out in front of the herd instead of being a part of it, join us at StockFam. In this episode of the Stock Fan Podcast, Sean, Hammy and Yaz receive a corporate update from Awaken Life Sciences, as they welcome CEO Anthony Tennyson and Chief Research Officer Professor David Nutt. This exciting interview will shed light on significant material progress made over the past several months, both on the research and delivery sides of the business. Anthony explains what sets Awaken apart from any other biotech company in the world and how their groundbreaking ketamine and MDMA therapeutics are proven successful in battling various forms of addiction anxiety eating disorders and depression Anthony and David enlighten us on some of their upcoming business milestones including their clinical expansion across Europe near-term revenue abilities and their capital market strategy Without further delay, it is our pleasure to welcome Awaken Life Sciences.
1: Awaken Life Sciences, I'll give you the, the sort of the 30-second just recap on what the company is and then the significant and material progress that we've made over the last the last number of months. So so we're a biotechnology company with clinical operations. So that means we are developing and also delivering psychedelic therapeutics, so that's medicines and therapies to be used in combination to treat addiction. So we're a cutting edge biotechnology company with a deep, relevant, protected and highly commercializable IP portfolio, drug and therapy development pipeline. But not only that, we're also a clinical operator, delivering treatments in clinics that we own and operate currently in the UK and in Europe. And we will ultimately have up to 20 clinics, but also beyond these territories through licensing partnerships. So we're a biotechnology company. Developing treatments for one of the biggest unmet medical needs of modern times, which is addiction, both substance and behavioural addictions, but we also have near-term revenue streams, and that unique that is unique in the space of biotech, and really sets us up to be quite a, quite a compelling investment proposition. So the progress that we've made over the last while has been pretty pretty significant. Um, so on the research side of the business. We're active in the research on developing therapies, and we're working with ketamine and MDMA to develop the therapy side of our therapeutics package. And we're also developing our own drugs, our own medicines, as the medicine side of that therapeutics package. So for ketamine, we have initiated the world's first study of its kind in the development of the assessment of psychedelics to treat a behavioural addiction. We've initiated a small mechanistic study to assess ketamine in the context of treating gambling addiction. Gambling addiction affects anywhere up to about 400 400 million people globally. There's currently no pharmacological treatments for it. Um, And what we're looking to do is to develop a a revolutionary approach for treating behavioural addictions starting off with gambling addiction. If we get positive signals out of that study, We'll also look to do the same for compulsive sexual behavior, which includes pornography addiction and also binge eating disorder. We've also, um, as you guys may know, we've in-licensed the IP from the world's only trial for ketamine-assisted therapy uh, to treat alcohol use disorder. The results of that trial, we've announced this, the results have been approved for publication in the American Journal of Psychiatry, which is one of the most or the most highest impact journals in the world. That will be published before the end of this year, and other than MAPS and Compass, we'll be one of the only psychedelics companies in the world with results published for a phase 2b trial. So it's just what we're doing with ketamine. We've also announced uh, that we've signed a memorandum of understanding with the NHS in the UK. The NHS is the second largest purchaser of healthcare services in the world, with an annual budget of $200 billion. billion. We've signed a memorandum of understanding with them, and a core part of that memorandum of understanding is to bring that Phase 2 AB trial forward into a Phase 3 trial to seek to secure marketing authorization for ketamine to treat alcohol use disorder in the UK. So that's just what we're doing in ketamine research. For MDMA research, we've acquired the IP, the data, and the team from the world's only trial for MDMA-assisted therapy to treat alcohol use disorder. The results from that trial were published in February of this year in the Journal of Psychopharmacology. The results of that trial were groundbreaking. Alcohol use disorder affects 5% of the planet. Um, There is typically a 75% failure rate with treatments for alcohol use disorder within the first uh, 12 months, resulting in only 16% of people who actually suffer from alcohol use disorder seeking treatment. So it's a massive problem and a significant unmet medical need. Instead of there being a 75% relapse rate, the team identified between 30 and 20% relapse rate. So that is a groundbreaking result. So what we're doing is we're bringing that forward into phase 2B as part of a programme to secure marketing authorization for MDMA to treat alcohol use disorder in the UK and the EU. We have been to the MHRA, which is the competent authority in the UK. We've been to them for scientific advice on the clinical trial design for that phase 2b trial. We've received feedback from the MHRA, only very small corrections to be made, and we will be submitting um, our clinical trial application to the MHRA late this year, early next year, with the aim to be first time in human for a phase 2b MDMA trial for alcohol use disorder in late Q1 of next year. And then we're also, running a full drug discovery programme. We have acquired the IP uh, or we've acquired a big in six years worth of research data from Professor David Nutt's consultancy company. Um, and part of what we've acquired faster acting um, versions or analogues of MDMA and also details of newly discovered modes of action or receptor sites that MDMA interacts with. So so we believe we know more about how MDMA works on a neurobiological level than any other company in the world we're partnering with evotech one of the leading drug discovery companies in the world to develop the next generation of mdma because we like mdma it you know helps us achieve what we want to achieve um with regard to treating addiction but it takes six hours to work with a six-hour recovery window and time is the most valuable asset in the world so we're looking to develop a version of mdma that will work in two hours with a two-hour recovery window we have um We've identified, we've looked through the molecules that we acquired from David's company. We've identified two that we like particularly. We've filed provisional patents on those. We have um, had those molecules built and we are now testing those in rat models. And depending on the results that we get from those, we will be formally filing patents around those, those molecules in due course. But really very importantly, we've shared details of those newly discovered modes of actions with, with, with uh, Evotech. And we've initiated a 10-month drug discovery program with Evotech. It started on the 10th of June. We had a four-month stage gate, and we press released in or around the 10th of October the results of the four, first four months of that program. And we have made significant progress. In just those four months, we identified over 100, or we, Evotech, through their artificial intelligence program, identified over 100 compounds that were unique, novel, and had the potential to be a next-generation intactogen. MDMA is an intactogen, so a next-generation intactogen. We built many of those molecules in medicinal chemistry. We tested those against human and rat assays, uh, or screened them against human and rat assays, and we've identified four series that we like particularly that have drug-like properties, and we are bringing those forward now into rat models to ideally in February of next year have a lead identified to bring forward for lead optimization. And the goal would then be to have a lead series identified in Q1 of 23, um, a clinical trial application ready in Q2 23, and then to be first time in human with our own compounds at some stage, probably later, 2023. So that's the progress that we've made, material progress that we've made in the research side of the business. On the delivery side of the business, um, we've opened up the fir- our first clinic in the UK, it's the first clinic of its kind in the UK, a medical psychedelic assisted psychotherapy clinic that has full approval from the UK state for us to deliver ketamine assisted therapy in the treatment of addiction, anxiety, depression, PTSD and eating disorders. We're the first company in the UK to be doing this. There are other companies that are doing IV infusions without psychotherapy. We are the first company to be using uh, psychedelics to assist and improve the effectiveness of psychotherapy for those broad range of indications. We've also acquired a business in Oslo. So it is the leading clinic, leading psychedelic assisted therapy clinic in Oslo, headed up by, by an American doctor. who's an A&E doctor, set up the first psychedelic clinic in New Mexico and San Jose, he met a lovely norwegian woman she said come to norway with me which he did and he set up a clinic in norway and so the transaction that we've agreed that we close there is is 1.8 million canadian um 500 in paper for the first clinic and then earn out on the rest of the milestones to open up a second clinic in norway a first clinic in sweden first clinic in denmark and then to hit regional revenue uh, on margin targets and if we hit those, and if they earn out the, all, the, all their milestones and earn the margin target, the transaction actually pays for itself. Um, so then other key developments in the delivery side is we will be getting the London clinic back from the developer's tomorrow actually and so the london clinic will be completely refurbished tomorrow um, and then we will be submitting uh, hiring staff submitting our, our reg applications and the aim would be to have the london clinic operational in january so we are making significant progress on the clinics build out platform we have identified the preferred site for our, our fourth clinic which will be in manchester and we're just negotiating with the landlord so that's it that's the the, the key, key updates uh, for, from me
2: Excellent, thank you Anthony, it's, you, know, you guys have been uh, extremely busy which is good and uh, a lot of great developments, um, I'd like to hear Professor David Nutt uh, you know a little bit about your background and where you feel Awaken is unique and kind of you know talk a little bit about the treatments and what what, what makes them um, so special and you know important for you know our...
3: Yes okay well it's unique because it's got me That was hard for Anthony to achieve, but he got it. Uh, The reason I joined them, of course, is because uh, they were very interested in my work on MDMA and treatment of alcoholism. I mean, I'm a psychopharmacologist. I've been doing research on drugs in the brain for nearly 40 years. I've probably given almost every different kind of drug that's certainly ever been used in the brain to, to human beings. And there's no question that MDMA is one of the most interesting and the fact that it was so powerful in our treatment trial for alcoholism, uh, it's, for, to me, is very exciting. Uh, and, of course, the challenge working with MDMA is that it's controlled. It's an illegal drug in most countries in the world. That's completely arbitrary, a political decision. Uh, and the consequences of that is that research has really hardly developed at all uh, in the last 50 years. And uh, AWAKEN... Have given me the opportunity to do two things the first is to actually try to work out how it works uh, because we don't know that and secondly to improve on it by developing a uh, agents which uh, have a more refined pharmacology both in terms of functionality we could potentially get a better more more powerful more empathogenic more useful mdma and we can also improve on it in terms of the time of action and we would um we're very interested in the idea of having a a shorter-acting drug, so we could do two sessions a day. Currently, our MDMA therapy requires pretty much the whole day. The the the, the sessions last um, between about six and eight hours. So, right? if we had a shorter-acting MDMA, maybe maybe even one worked um, intravenously, uh, like people doing developing DMT as a as an intravenous uh, psychedelic, then you could potentially have um, similarly profound therapeutic benefits but over a much shorter time span in which case you could um, double the amount of patients you could see in a day so so that innovation is something that the uh, wakens investment is allowing me to pursue
1: and david maybe perhaps could you talk at a uh, just at a sort of just give a brief overview of our approach to treating addiction around brain circuit disruption and how that then feeds into the
3: research across both substance and behavioral addictions Yes, absolutely. So so the other side of uh, another aspect of my um, CV is that I have been working in the field of addiction pretty much. The reason I, you know, I'm a psychopharmacologist is because most addictions are psychopharmacological problems. People take drugs like opiates or cocaine or alcohol and their brain gets locked into a pattern of behavior that can, is hard to disrupt. And for the last 30 years, I've been trying to look at specific agents to work on specific drugs. So I did a lot of work on buprenorphine, for instance, for opiate addiction and acamprosate for alcohol addiction. And there are two problems with that approach. The first is actually it's not very good um, because it doesn't they don't stop people being addicted. They, just they simply control their behavior in a way which uh, uh, requires them taking the, the medicine every day. And the second is they don't generalize to other addictions. Uh, and based on work I started doing with brain imaging of addiction almost 20 years ago now, it, it became clear that addictions uh, to different drugs and to, and to behaviors, they all share a brain circuit. And we began to think maybe if we could disrupt that brain circuit, we could actually people could stop being addicted. They wouldn't need to take daily medication to control their cravings. They might just not have them. And uh, basically, there is some growing evidence that's the case. And and our work with MDMA and uh, and ketamine brain imaging has shown that these drugs can change the brain circuits of addiction. And uh, and so we've shown quite clearly in the um, MDMA study that two MDMA treatments stop people wanting to drink. It's like it's a treatment for alcoholism rather than a palliation. And this, to my mind, you know, is really exciting because it's, you know, having spent 40 years scratching the surface, now we have a chance to really get in there. It, it's um, you know it's like it's like surgery. It's like taking out the offending uh, problem in the, in the body rather than simply sort of giving painkillers to deal with it.
2: That's fascinating stuff. Uh, so, what is it about MDMA and, and ketamine that really? attributes to being able to accomplish this like is it you know level dosage levels is it you know the assisted side of it like what is it about these um two compounds that really yeah well that's part
3: of our ongoing research because they're obviously pharmacologically quite different now we ketamine is is a more Typical psychedelic in the sense that it is very disruptive of brain circuits and and under the influence of ketamine you can see the brain is uh, Working in a very different way to the way it normally works and and that disruption of circuits we think Essentially breaks down the, the repetitive thinking behaviors which underpin things like drug craving You know if you spend your whole life thinking about the bottle or thinking about where you can get your next hit you know, your brain, you know, that's habitual thinking. And many addicts actually say they don't even want to take the drug, but they're, they don't want to take the drug, but their brain wants it. And the brain drives their behavior. Uh, so disrupting those process circuits, those habits, those cognitive habits is how ketamine works. MDMA is different. And as I say, it's so little researched. We can't, you know, we, we think it may be working in a slightly different fashion. Um our, our imaging so far has shown that it tends to it works on the limbic system, and what we think it's doing is it's a, it's essentially allowing people to suppress the memories of trauma and drug use from the emotional centers of the brain, which then drive the craving. So we're kind of, we're cutting off the uh, one of the major drivers to the repetitive use of drugs. So it's a slight, and and. What's going to be interesting about our body of research is that we'll probably find that some people do better on one and some people do better on the other. And it's conceivable that some people might, you know, actually need a bit of both in separate dosings, of
4: course. Yeah, Yeah, thank you, Anthony and Professor David Knotts. Appreciate your comments. It's been a very scientific discussion, I have to say. Um, I just wanted to, because Anthony, you mentioned you're working to treat gambling addiction as well. Um, you know, gambling and the behavioral addiction to gambling is a driving force behind many industries, alcohol being one of them. And, of course, gambling you know, its a very rising and accelerating industry as well. Do you think you're going to get pushback from these certain uh, um, industries if you manage to treat gambling addiction? I- I'm sure William Hill will not be really happy about it. But um, yeah. I-, I was just wondering if you get any push- pushback from these um, leading
1: No, I I don't. I don't believe so. You know, we're we're not here to to challenge established um, multi billion. Well, actually, we are. We're here to challenge an existing multi multi billion dollar industry that's deeply failing. Um, I expect to be challenged by the addiction treatment industry. That's where that's where the challenge will come. There will be some incumbent players that are going to be upset by um, a disruptive company like ours coming on the block that can be much more effective at treating people at a significantly lower price point. Now, I don't remember much from school, but in the first couple of business study classes that I went to, being able to do something better at a lower price point is kind of a good way to go. So we've got an addiction treatment industry that specializes in residential care at a very, very high cost, that is deeply ineffective, that is based upon people we're seeking out and having to secure multiple repeated treatments. For example, in the UK, you have a big group like the Priory, sold for a billion sterling in January of this year. We have the former CEO on our board as a non-exec, but they charge about 24,000 sterling for a treatment program for behavioral addictions, for uh, substance addictions, for mental health issues. It's about 24K and it doesn't bloody work. You've got a 75% failure rate for the treatment of alcohol use disorder. So, what we're going to be doing, and we are doing it right now, is we're able to treat alcohol use disorder in our clinics with a price point of about seven and a half to ten thousand sterling, so an order of magnitude less, and it has been proven in a clinical trial to be more effective. So, I would expect there to be challenges coming from companies like them. But likewise, you know, we do want to partner with them, so we actually want to make the practitioners be more effective in their roles so we'll have clinics in the uk and the eu 20 clinics is the target by the end of 2024 you know we don't want to be a healthcare company we are a biotech company but we will have a clinical operation that clinical operation we will be delivering services that are far more effective than anything that's currently available and at a lower price point that will enable us to earn about 80 million sterling Uh, revenue run rate by the time we open all all 20 clinics because each one generates about 4 million sterling top line. We think we can do that at a healthy margin, give us the ability to generate free cash flow, which will enable us to support the biotech side of the business in a non-dilutive manner. But we'll also then be accessing territories ex UK EU, So for example, North America, where there's 125,000 addiction treatment practitioners, again, treating people with a, with alcohol use disorder with a failure rate of 75%, resulting in only there being only a 16% market penetration rate for their services. So what we'll do is we'll enable them to be much more effective. Now, there will be some companies that choose not to license in-license our, our IP and our services, and they will become challenged because their competitors will in-license our IP and our services, and their competitors we will enable them to be more effective at a lower price point or to be more effective at a significantly higher margin. So, you know, I don't see there being pushback or challenges from the alcohol, beverage alcohol industry, the the gaming industry or the illicit narcotics (laughs) industry. Um, But I do see there being pushback and challenges to us coming from the established incumbents. But that's the same in any industry that's about to be significantly materially disrupted. The incumbents always feel threatened and always push back. But if they do, we'll know we're doing something right because we've got their attention and
3: they're scared. I can just add to that, if I may, just briefly, I think the gambling industry would be. It's delighted that there was a treatment because it says it doesn't want to get people addicted. It really, you know, it's, it argues that it, you know, it's not a, you know, gambling isn't that addictive, although they know it is. So something that could, they could, could be shown to help those people who do get addicted.
4: I think they'd find very uh, comforting. Yeah, that's that's brilliant. As, as someone whose uncle works for the NHS, I know the financial burden that um, alcohol addiction puts on the NHS and the whole healthcare system. Mm-hmm in the uk has there been any studies in terms of how much financial burden it would sort of take off the nhs once you can you know provide a treatment were you listening to the phone call we had with the team yesterday
1: that was exactly <laughs> what my, <laughs> we were talking about we we are uh,
4: we're, we're
1: we're we're looking at that right now so we know we we know sort of intuitively but we're actually we're working with uh for a, a health economics uh, person to actually build out the model so that we can start to have an evidence base to start talking to the NHS with to prove just this point. But, you know, it's it's top of mind for the NHS and for healthcare systems internationally, and that was kind of core, a core part of the MOU that we signed with the NHS. Yes, one of that is part of that is to bring the, the research forward into phase three, but uh, yeah, there's two other key parts to it. One of the parts was to help the NHS and us understand how ready the NHS is, so what their operational readiness is to deliver these services and to engage with companies like us. Um, and that's great because they've got a very, very big checkbook. And the second part was to uh, to run uh, comparative studies, so real-world evidence, a twin-track approach, see how effective cost-effectiveness and efficacy of treating treatment-resistant depression in AWAKEN clinics versus treatment resistant depression in the nhs with a small headcount, and the same alcohol use disorder cost and effectiveness awaken clinic versus in the nhs and again it's about developing that the, the real world evidence so that we can go and have a very very significant conversation with the nhs at a relatively senior level to say look here's the real world evidence here's the clinical trial evidence here's the real world evidence here's the potential savings to you at an economy
4: level Let's try and work this out. Yeah, thank you, Anthony. If you can have that, um, are you are you going to publish that report once you have once you have it done? Absolutely, because it will
1: help. It will help, it will help with the commercial agenda for the company.
4: Yeah, um,
0: oh, so to We will. Yeah.
1: We'll be weaving that into our narrative. Is probably the best way to describe it. But we will be sharing the key key parts of it. It's standard standard commercial
4: strategy. You know. Brilliant. Thank you so much.
5: Thank you, Anthony and Dave, for coming on. And uh, this this is very uh, exciting. I mean, as as someone that understands the space and the clinical trials, and you know, first of all, congrats on the uh, phase two. Um, these are by no means uh, small feat to kind of get such results. So, congrats there. Um, I just wanted to kind of hear your um, Thoughts around uh, a couple of areas. So, the first one is Is the plan here to partner up with someone uh, with, when and if you decide to go to phase three? Because I know that, you know, from other experiences um, and other, you know, clinical um, deals that I've been involved in historically, uh, the most expensive financial. Uh, burden on, on companies is typically going to phase three, and mm-hmm. uh, and typically that's when you know uh, both showing that you you've got the efficacy sorted. Um, typically, that's when you start seeing um, incumbents coming in. Now, in this case, just because you are actually a disruptor, you are a disruptor to um, you know so many drugs that actually. You know, they'll never admit it, but they live and prey on people kind of continuing to, um, you know, be addicts. So, um, you know, how do you see the path to commercialization, just given that the incumbents are not necessarily so friendly uh, when it comes to someone taking from their share?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So our, our path to commercialization or our, our route to commercialization. So we're running... Multiple tracks. Track one is ketamine. Track two is MDMA. Track three is our own drugs. So with track one um, in the UK, we are move, we are looking to move from phase two B into phase three. Our modus operandi for our research business is to acquire assets and partner with firm bigger big firms to accelerate towards a goal. So with ketamine, we've acquired the IP from that phase two AB study. We are partnering with the University of Exeter and the NHS to bring that forward into a phase three trial. Um, We are seeking uh, grant funding and state support from the UK to bring that research forward into a phase three. And because we're partnering with the University of Exeter, the total price for that phase three trial is incredibly competitive. I can't give you the number, Um, because it's not externally available, but it is incredibly competitive. Um, For the behavioural addictions, we are at a very early stage. So we're at a mechanistic study stage. That's pre-phase one. Um, So if we get positive signals from the mechanistic study for gambling addiction, uh, we will look to replicate that into the two other key types of behavioural addictions, being uh, compulsive sexual behaviour and binge eating disorder. Um, And then we will look to potentially bring those forward into Uh, phase two studies because it's ketamine we can go straight into phase two and the cost for a phase two study is relatively moderate and that will be a couple of years before we're going into phase three so we have time to work out what our commercialization strategy for that will be for MDMA we are in we are we have acquired phase 2a we are going into phase 2b that is going to take about 2 years to run that phase 2b and then we will be deciding the way that we have set up the endpoints for primary and secondary endpoints for that phase 2b study are that so that they will be recognized and accepted in the EMA and the FDA in addition to the MHRA. So that's EU and US in addition to UK. We'll be running that phase 2B trial in the UK, and it'll be about two years. And at that stage then we will make a decision as to where and how many pivotal trials we choose to run and whom and how we partner with, if anyone, in order to make that happen. And then for our drug discovery programme, absolutely it's a big ticket item and um, we are probably five to seven and a half years away from you know maybe definitely five years away from a uh, phase three pivotal trial and it is a well-worn path for um, lean biotech companies to partner with larger machines and um, you know at the end of phase 2b going into phase three for their own compounds so that is on our consideration in due course, but we are on, um, we are several years away from having to make that decision.
5: Excellent. So, I mean, that that, that, uh, that explains it quite a bit. Is there a, a plan, you know, given the success of a couple of, I, I know that they're, you know, they're doing different, um, with, with different conditions, but is, is there a plan to kind of move to a, uh, a broader exchange in order to get, um, you know, to, to get kind of a, a more wider audience around this story because I, I do feel that, you know, this company is a disruptor to um, the space and there's there's uh, there are a few that I would say that are real um, players in this space and there's like a bunch of... Um, you know, wannabes that are, you know, that, that opt in a hot chain, uh, yeah. so to speak. So is that, a, is, is that the plan? Um, so so I, I agree with your
1: assessment. Um, there are some good players in this industry, and there's some others that, that perhaps are are, are are trying to be fast followers. And um, We are absolutely a real company with a real team, with the best team actually in the world with real assets real science and executing at speed towards uh, goals um we have publicly stated, you know the the home the home exchange for this company is the nasdaq always has been we're a biotechnology company and so the right place for us to be is the nasdaq the most efficient route from where we were to the nasdaq was to go onto the neo exchange and then follow the path otc otcqb and then we'll be looking to go onto the Nasdaq. We have stated our goal is to be on the Nasdaq within 18 months of our listing. So that is the end of next year. Now we are working out if the end of next year is the appropriate timeline or should we try and be a bit more aggressive? What we've done is we've identified that it is a six month project for us to go to prep from pressing the go button to getting onto the Nasdaq. And so we are just assessing what is the appropriate time for us to press the go button on that. But the outer limit of acceptability for me and for the team is the end of next year.
2: Some incredible insights into Awakening Life Sciences and you know, the, the therapies that you're providing and, and the drug discovery. You, the involvement in so many different verticals is incredibly impressive. <clears throat> and the uh, you know having that near-term revenue really is a major differentiator in terms of other biotech companies. I think that's one thing that we really, um, you know, use to separate what Awaken has done. That near-term revenue is really kind of a de-risk factor in terms of, you know, your investments and and whatnot, uh, compared to other companies in in the space. And, you know, obviously the team is fantastic. Uh, Professor David Nutt, it was a pleasure to have you speak today to kind of hear some of your background, um, and your research and really looking forward to speaking with you more, uh, as things develop because I think it is a very important uh, thing of what you guys are working towards. You know, addiction is a huge issue and there really is no real way to treat it properly. And I think you guys seem to be on on the right path. And so really a pleasure to have you guys join us. And, you know, you're always welcome anytime to come back and engage with our audience. Um, but any last words from the both of you?
3: You know, I mean, it's my life's work. Yeah one certainly one major theme of my life's work is being to deal with addiction which is probably the the, the most under invested in and, and poorly treated branch of medicine so it's uh, it's great to be able to to work with a company like awaken It's actually got the resources to do really innovative uh, and novel uh, approaches
1: yeah, it's a, an absolute pleasure to be for us to be able to work with someone like david we are incre- incredibly lucky to have them on the team. And I guess just, you know, my, my closing comment would be, you know, for for, for you guys who are listening, um, have a look on our website, have a look at the invest the, the corporate deck on our website. There's a there's two slides down towards the the back of it. I can't remember the slide numbers off the top of my head. Um but you'll see it's there. It stacks us up, up against the best players, the top tier one players in the industry and some of the other players. You see we're we're the furthest along Um, and the most mature in our research um, for addiction of any company in the psychedelic space. And then the next slide compares us against our peers based upon market capitalization, and we're streets ahead of the people who we are in and around by mark cap. And then you have a look at the top part of that slide, and you'll see we're actually in the level of our maturity of our research. We're equivalent to some very very large mark cap companies so we believe there's this is a good opportunity you know I can't give investment advice but you know you guys can can make form your own opinions but those two slides are, are, are quite informative as to where the opportunities in the industry may or may not exist
0: we hope you enjoyed this interview to hear more interviews as well as our other investor education content Please subscribe to the podcast and visit our website at StockFamGroup.com where you will gain full access to all of our free educational platforms. Also, to view the video versions of much of our content, follow us on YouTube at StockFamTV.